We're in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. It says this, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, Go back and report what John, to, to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those, uh, no, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is about the one in whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you and who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This morning we have the wonderful opportunity to have my daughter, who is also... She's also felt called to ministry. And the church has so seen these gifts in her and has called her to uh, and brought her into the uh, local ministerial candidate position. And so part of that training and part of that, uh, uh, you know, steps, if you will, is, uh, is sharing with us. And so she's going to do that this morning. Thanks for standing for the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Ipsy Free. We're so glad you're here with us, whether online or in person. I'm Abigail. I'm the pastoral ministry intern here for the summer of 2022. Um, just a little bit about me. I felt the call to ministry around the age of 16 or 17. Um, I believe it was at a Catalyst conference um, that I felt this call, which is like a leadership conference for like pastors and things. Um, but now I'm pursuing this calling by attending Asbury University in Kentucky, and I'm studying pastoral ministry. And I remember when I first heard the call to Asbury, I was really anxious, and I doubted a lot. I was like, Lord, are you sure? And even about my own calling, I was quite unsure, because I was just unsure of the gift that God has given me. I was anxious to use it, and I still am sometimes. I get anxious to use it. But this little story um, 
just reminds me of today's passage of Matthew 11. We're going to be talking about facing doubt. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, open them up, or if you have a phone, um, flip to your Bible app if you have it. And we're going to read through Matthew chapter 11, 1 through 15. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have mercy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to hear it, and if you are willing to accept it, excuse me, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that we're able to gather together and just hear from your word and um, have this conversation of doubt. Father, I just pray that um, you will give me the words to say and that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that there will be a pleasing aroma to you, O oh Lord. Amen. So, as we dive into Matthew chapter 11, I want you all to keep these questions in mind. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is Jesus really the one who is to come? Is Jesus really who he says he is? So these questions would have been extremely important to the Jews of this day. If we think about it, you're a Jew of this day and you've been studying scripture pretty much all your life. You know the prophecies, you know what is coming, and you, you hear this man who is healing people, he's delivering demons, the deaf are beginning to hear, the dead are raised, and the blind are receiving sight. So you're seeing this in front of you, but something's a little off. You see, the Jews would have expected a king, someone in fine clothes, who maybe had elegant speech, who maybe had riches, who would... I don't know, demolish the government or something. But this is not who came. Who came was a simple man born of the Virgin Mary, a carpenter's son, and a carpenter himself. And so the Jews would be asking themselves this question, how could he even be the Messiah? However, it's not just a random, like it's not just random people asking this question while they are, it's Jesus' own cousin a prophet, John the Baptist, he, he sends, while John is in prison, John sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come? 
Now, some of us may be asking ourselves, why is John the Baptist questioning Jesus' Messiahship? Shouldn't he just know? Shouldn't he just know? I mean, he is Jesus' cousin after all. He is the one that baptized Jesus and saw the dove come down and descend on Jesus saying, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. Shouldn't John just know that Jesus is the Messiah? But as John sits in prison because of King Herod, he may be questioning Jesus being the Messiah. While deep down, he may truly know that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe in times of crisis, sometimes we begin to doubt. And so John began to doubt. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you doubt? Now, some of you guys may be like shaking your head yes all the time. Some of you are like, no, I don't doubt at all, which I question that. Um, But this is what a Google search says about doubt. So doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction, and it can be a disbelief or lack in faith in someone. You know, sometimes I doubt whether a plane will stay afloat in the air. It can be quite scary. It's like shaking sometimes. Or sometimes, especially during the school year, I doubt whether I'll have enough money for gas because, well, I can't work a full-time job because I have school. But sometimes it's much deeper than that. Sometimes I doubt whether God will save me from certain circumstances in my life or that God will even save me from my own sins. What is something that you doubt? What is something you doubt? This is a scary question. Some of you have so many doubts. It's uneasy, and some of us don't even want to go to that place. However, I believe that it's something that Jesus invites us to wrestle with. So when John began to doubt, Jesus points John and his disciples back to the truth. Jesus points them to an Old Testament scripture that fulfills and secures Jesus' Messiahship, and that is Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Jesus uses this Old Testament scripture to point John to the truth of who he is. He says, look, I am fulfilling this prophecy. He's saying, I am the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Jesus also goes on to say that the same guy, John, who asked Jesus if he is the Messiah, is the one who prepares the way for Jesus. And as we break down this part of the passage, Jesus is asking the crowd what they expected of John. What did you expect to see? Did you expect to see a reed swayed by the wind or a man bending to the cultural changes of the world? Did you expect to see a man and dressed in fine linen, a rich man? But then Jesus points the crowd to another Old Testament passage, Malachi 3.1, which says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me Then suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus points them back to the fulfilling prophet, who is John. While John doubts Jesus, he is still the same man who prepares the way. He is still the messenger. But says that John 
While he is a messenger, while he is a prophet, he is still a man. And sometimes I think that we forget to see John the Baptist as a man, or even the prophets in general. We forget to see, okay, while they are still a prophet of Jesus, they are still men. And being a man that he is, he may struggle with things like doubt and anger and confusion. And Jesus sees that and he recognizes it. And then he addresses it. He doesn't leave John alone in his doubt or belittle him. I think sometimes we like to think that when we begin to doubt ourselves, that God's going to belittle us. But he doesn't do that to John. Instead, he points him to the truth. He points him to Scripture, fulfilling Scripture. And Jesus reminds John of who he is and whom God is has called John to be. He says, I am the Messiah. And John, remember, you are my messenger. You are a prophet. You prepare the way before me. So let us go back to the first question that I asked you. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the one who is to come? So Messiah in Hebrew, and I hope I don't butcher this because I know that there are at least like one or two like Hebrew scholars in this room, and I've only taken one year of Hebrew, so. Um, The word, I believe, is Mashiach, anointed or anointed one, a future deliverer and savior who would rescue his people and usher in a time of prosperity and blessing. So I think during certain circumstances in our life, we become like John. We doubt whether Jesus will be the Messiah. We believe it deep down, and You know, if I were to ask you on the street, hey, do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? You would say yes. However, what about the days when you don't know how you will pay the bills? Jesus, are you the Messiah? What about the days when your kids won't listen to you? Jesus, will you be the Messiah in this situation? What about the days when you want to break down because of all the pain that you feel? whether you've lost a loved one or you're dealing with mental health, Jesus, will you be the Messiah? Will you be the future deliverer that I need? What about the days when you feel like you can't let go of that one sin? I know this all too well. What about the days when you are struggling so much? Jesus, are you going to be the Messiah? So this next question is very important. Who do you go to when you doubt? Or what? Sometimes we often go to so many other people to settle our doubt. But the one thing we never go to is Jesus. My first year of college, I was struggling quite a bit. Um, While I had some friends, I still felt alone. And in some ways, I would go to my friends to tell them all my fears and worries and doubts, hoping that they would tell me some comforting words or some advice or peace of some sort. But God convicted me one day. He said, you go to all your friends for advice and answers, and yet you don't come to the source of peace, truth, and wisdom. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) because he was right. I remember sitting there crying in my room at the realization, like, wow, God's right. Imagine that. (laughs) And when I struggled with doubt about how God would deliver me from a situation, I really would walk down to the hall to my friend's room and just sit there and talk for hours about a problem. And 
Part of that is just who I am. I am an external processor, so if I have an issue, I'll immediately go to someone and just want to talk things out. But because I doubted that God helped me, I would go to other people. I would go to YouTube videos filled with advice or podcasts or self-help books. Just tell me the answer, please. But let me tell you, it didn't fix anything at all. And afterwards, I was stuck in that same place of doubt. Nothing changed. And I realized that I was treating God like a second option. And I think some of us know all too well what it feels like to be treated as a second option. So while John doubted, he set an example for us. He went straight to the source. And Jesus pointed him directly to Scripture, directly to the truth. Because John becomes an example of how we should live. While struggling with doubt, he went to the source. Jesus very clearly says to John's disciples, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know, we can try to go to all these self-help books, podcasts, YouTube videos, and even go to friends for all the help in the world when we're struggling with doubt but it will never truly fulfill us. It reminds me of a passage of scripture where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And she's alone, and she's like, why are you coming up to me? You know, I'm a Sumerian woman. Um, And she's drawing this water out the well, and Jesus says, you know, I can give you living water. And she was like, what? I can give you living water, and you will never be thirsty again. We must go to the source. I know some of us don't want to be thirsty again, so we must go to the source. Now, I'm not here to solve the problem of doubt. I'm not going to give you a step-by-step plan of how to cure doubts because there will always be doubts of some kind. I think some of us want this like easy answer like as seen on TV that's gonna like solve all our issues. But it's just, it's not going to do it. It's just not. However, I will guide you through some steps on how to combat doubt by leading with Christ. And some of these, when you hear them, you're going to be like, oh, I hear these all the time. Well, good, you should. (laughs) When it comes to questions of how Jesus will be the Messiah in this situation or in this circumstance that you are in, I believe that these next three steps will help you, and I want you to write them down. Make them a discipline. Part of being a disciple of Christ is creating disciplines that cultivate a space for Jesus. I want to emphasize that spiritual disciplines are not just going to church and small group. While those are good and great and we need that, there's so much more. It's about creating space in our personal time, our personal time, our alone time. Matthew 6, 6 reminds me of this. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, it's not 
just about, while these are great and amazing things, going to church and going to small group and stuff like that, it's about the things that we are doing behind closed doors. What is our heart like behind closed doors? So these next steps. The first one is pray. Go to Jesus himself. Have a conversation. Step into that conversation. And prayer, it's uncomfortable. Can we just like say that straight out there? It's uncomfortable for some people. But I encourage you to sit with God. And can I be honest? Prayer is a weak spot for me. And it's okay to admit you have weak spots in certain disciplines. However, it's not okay to push against those weak spots. You want to strengthen them. So sometimes when I have an issue, um, I'll go to my mom and dad, and I'll be like, I'm having this issue, I need help. And sometimes they'll ask me, okay, well, have you prayed about it? And reluctantly, I'll say, no, I haven't. (laughs) And they'll tell me to go and pray. Because all I want is an immediate answer to my problems. But prayer causes us to slow down. When we want that immediate answer, we are living into this like fast culture, I want it now. But prayer requires us to really just slow down. Have a conversation with God. Talk with God. And it's easy to open up our Bibles and read. But I have found that in so many instances... That prayer opens the door to a calm and a peace that nothing else can give you. No TV show, no YouTube video, no podcast will ever give you a peace that God can give you and that prayer can give you. And let me be honest, it's not going to solve your doubts right away. The moment you enter into prayer, it's not going to be like, boom, everything's fixed, I'm good now. But it will offer a peace. And it will take time. It's a practice. It's not something that everyone's good at right away, while some people do have the beautiful gift of prayer. And I've seen that in some of you guys. The second one is scripture. Read and listen to it. So I have many moments where I doubt, and I like to go to my friends for it. But I think it's important that when we have doubt, we go to scripture as well. We see this all throughout scripture, especially in the New Testament, when when Jesus is in the desert and Satan begins to tempt Jesus, Jesus uses scripture. And I think we need to revert back to that when we are struggling with doubts about who Jesus is or how Jesus will be the Messiah in a situation. We need to revert back to scripture. So when I doubt, whether it's my gifts or my calling or whatever, I like to read Exodus because I love that Jesus meets Moses. And Jesus is like, hey, I have a calling for you. And Moses goes, not me. I have a speech impediment. Like, please send someone else. I'm just, I'm just, I take care of the sheep. I can't do anything. And Jesus goes, no, I am calling you and I am with you. So we need to read scripture to have that affirmation that God is faithful, that God is with us in our doubts. And sometimes, sometimes, and not all the time, We think, oh, it's just for little kids to hear the stories of David and Goliath and Esther. It's not just for little kids. It's for us. It really is for us. The last one, seek godly counsel. Live with and lean into community. 
You know, sometimes we can be clouded by all these should-dos from people and their opinions and biases. You know, I hear stories of all the time of, like, I think my grandma was telling me this. When she was first having kids, her parents were telling her all the, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, and, you know, you can get clouded up by that, and, you know, that can be difficult. But I do believe that it is important to seek out wise and godly counsel and meet together. I believe that we have a lot of amazing godly men and women in this congregation, and I can point out a few, quite a few. And it is well worth the time to sit down, grab coffee or lunch, or invite someone over to your house, and just listen to them. And just tell them your doubts. Get with someone who is older and wiser. Sitting down and sharing your doubts with other people, and with, especially with godly people, encouraging each other is something that Jesus asks us to do. Hebrews 10.25 tells us this, not giving up meeting together as some are but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's, it's not just something I'm saying, like, here, like, this is, these are steps to be, like, a good Christian. But it's, God asks us to. He asks us to meet together. And we see this reoccurring throughout the New Testament. So, friends, as we learn to love God and love all people and follow Christ together, we need to be straightforward with the people around us about what we're struggling with, about our doubts, we need to tell them, hey, I'm, I'm in this situation and I'm doubting whether Jesus will be the future deliverer, well, he, whether he will be the Messiah of this situation. And if we are not telling people this, we are putting ourselves in a place of isolation. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. Because we are inviting, I'm going to say this word, we are inviting the devil in to our lives We are allowing him, if we keep ourselves isolated, to feed bitterness and more doubts and anxieties and worries into our lives that we just do not need. So we need to lean in and live with community because as a body of Christ, we follow Christ together, meaning we encourage each other, we build each other up. We have that accountability with people. We get that person's phone number and we text them throughout the week and we say, hey, how are you doing? Really, how are you doing? And we do all these things, not just so it looks good on us, but to bring God the glory. We do this to give God the glory so that we can love God and love others well. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us alone in our doubts. We thank you that you are the Messiah of every situation, that you are the future deliverer, and that you will save us. We are so thankful. We're thankful for the community that you give us that we can talk to about our doubts. We're thankful for your word that affirms that you are faithful all through the ages. Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful. Father, I just ask that you will be with us as we continue in 
prayer as we continue in worship and as we move into a time of communion, Lord. Just be with our hearts. Help us. Have mercy on us. Forgive us and be patient with us when we do doubt. Amen. If you're new to this congregation, um, I just want to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. Um, We're going to continue prayer. Um, But if you're new to this congregation, and maybe you're struggling with doubt, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you don't know whether or not Jesus is the Messiah or not, Um, I'm going to guide us in a prayer right now and You all are more than welcome to uh, just recite it in your heart and mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.